Well, here we are. We are officially in a new week, in a new month, and in a new year. It is hard to believe that we have arrived, especially when you realize 2020 was three years ago. It doesn't seem possible, right? I mean, where has the time gone? Well, I, I don't know where the last three years have gone, but I do know where the last month has gone. December seems to be the month that the whole world just decides to do too much. We eat too much, we spend too much, we travel too much, we do all the things in the month of December. So when the page turns and we see this new week, this new month, this new year, it is a welcomed new day. So I'm sure that many people in this room have joined people around the world in setting intentions for this new year. This year, I'm going to eat healthy. No more fast food, no more sweets, just lean and green. Or maybe you're focused on financial goals, like we're going to start to save money. No more buy now with one click on Amazon, no more Target runs. Things are going to be different this year. Or perhaps you want to minimize your life and your spaces, and you've cleaned out your closets, you've donated clothes, you have reconfigured your pantry. New year, new me, right? Now, there's nothing wrong with New Year's resolutions. In fact, I think there is a lot to be said about having discipline that can help you get focused on the things that matter. Personally, I enjoy the blank slate of January, and I need goals to keep me going. It keeps me motivated. But there's something different between trying to become the best version of yourself and trying to become somebody else. So many New Year's resolutions are based on comparisons. Even if we would never admit it or say it out loud, often jealousy or insecurities try to motivate us to become like those people we admire or aspire to be. So we buy into the extreme diet cultures, the workout paths, the flash sales we see online, because we're just trying to keep up. And it can be totally exhausting. But friends, we don't have to live this way. Today, we remember that the gifts that Christ has brought down in his birth of peace, joy, and love have come down to earth. And because God has come down to earth in the form of a baby, because Christ is enough, we are enough, exactly as we are. So our scripture today from the book of Matthew, it does contain this story which we call Epiphany. Traditionally, Epiphany is on January 6th. That's 12 days after Christmas. That's where the song comes from. And that's the day when we remember these wise men who followed a star to bring gifts to Jesus. But Epiphany is not only excluded for this one historic moment, this day. The word Epiphany simply means a revelation, a manifestation, or an illuminating discovery. Epiphanies can happen anytime in any place, but they require us to look beyond just ourselves to see where and how God is moving in the world around us. So when we think about this story, when we think about the life-changing nature of Jesus and these men who came to bring him gifts, I imagine that if you are like most people in the world, the things that you know about this story 
can be contained in the song, We Three Kings. But if we look at the song, We Three Kings, compared to the scripture, we'll see that the author may have taken some creative liberties. So these men from the East, it never says that they were kings. The word magi means astrologer or magician. They would have studied the movement of the star, and whenever something amazing happened in the sky, something extraordinary, they would follow it to see what happened. So they weren't exactly kings. Second, the song, as well as all nativities, depict these wise men coming immediately after Jesus was born. But this couldn't have actually happened because think about the time it would have taken for them to come from where they were to, well, actually, so they took multiple steps. From their initial sighting of the star to their arrival in Bethlehem, after a stop in Jerusalem, considerable time would have stopped. And then you think about, Herod ordered that all children, boys, two and under, should be killed. Herod could have said infant boys if it truly was just days after Jesus was born, not to mention the purification laws of Mary. It's impossible that this would have happened immediately as the shepherds came to visit the newborn king. Also, the song says that there were three kings, but if you notice in the scripture, it doesn't actually say how many there were. Tradition has assumed three because of the three gifts that they bring to the newborn king. But scholars think that it could have been a big group of people, including their wives. So it could have been a group of these magi people coming to see the newborn king. And lastly, it doesn't seem that the star led them the entire way. In Matthew's text, it says they saw the rising of the star, ascertained its significance, and departed for Jerusalem, the logical place to find the Jewish king. Had the star guided them all the way, like our modern-day GPS, it would have taken them straight to Bethlehem. But it was only after Herod sent them to Bethlehem that the star rose again, telling them exactly where Jesus was. So despite these discrepancies between the song, We Three Kings, the traditional version we know in our head, and what the scripture says in Matthew, the important thing is that these men appear. And they appear exactly as they are to bring gifts to the newborn king. With the stars their guide, they show up on the scene, inquiring who this person is that has been born king of the Jews. The Magi, when they come to this place where the child is, they are overwhelmed with joy. They kneel down to pay homage to the king. Now, when is the last time you heard the word homage? Not in this passage. Like a very common word. It's not a word that makes its way into our vocabulary very often, but to, very often, but to pay homage means to show special respect publicly. It is a formal acknowledgement of allegiance. So these men from the East, they bow down and worship the newborn king and then present their gifts. There's a cute saying that goes around this time of year that says, three wise women would have asked for directions, they would have arrived on time, they would have helped deliver the baby, they would have brought practical gifts, they would have cleaned the stable and made a casserole. <laughs> but what do the wise men bring? They bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Not super practical gifts, but symbolic for sure. They are gifts of extravagance. 
Gold recalls the offerings in Isaiah 66 given to Gentile kings. This giving of gold, this precious material, symbolized that these wise men, they knew that Jesus, this baby in a stable, was a king. Frankincense is a fragrant resin used for sacrificial offerings presented to God. So this is a smell that people would have associated with the temple, with sacrifice, with offerings. And so they're bringing this, symbolizing his priestly nature. And lastly, myrrh is a resin used for anointing and embalming. So all three of these gifts together are gifts for royalty. But notice that they are only presented to Jesus after they have presented themselves in worship of the newborn king. The inclusion of the Magi in this story show that God is fulfilling not only God's promise to Israel, but the longing of all people for the gift of salvation. Already in Jesus, this baby, this infant, God is breaking down established cultural and religious boundaries and hierarchies. The true king, who will make manifest love for all people, has been born. And all people are invited to come exactly as they are and to present themselves and whatever gifts they have to the newborn king. These wise men from the east, they responded to the birth of this Jewish king with overwhelming joy. They drop everything. They follow the star. They travel. They bring these expensive, extravagant gifts to bless and honor the Savior of the world. But there's another person in this story who responds quite differently to the birth of Jesus. Herod is the king, the earthly power, the one on the throne. When he hears the news of Jesus, he is filled with so much anxiety and paranoia that he fabricates his intent to also go and pay homage. Herod was never going to go and pay homage to Jesus. He just wanted to know where this new king was. Herod's anger stands in sharp contrast to the awe and curiosity of the Magi. His fear and anger lead him to horrifically inflict death upon all these innocent children in his pursuit to maintain control and power and honor. Herod receives the news of Jesus with worry. The Magi receive the news of Jesus with worship. These wise men, they help us consider to whom and how we pay faithful homage and at what cost. This time of the year, with the new week, the new month, the new year, there are extreme pressures to bow down to whatever will make us better than we were the year before. Maybe more successful, more intelligent, more appreciated. And when we cannot attain the perfection that we long for, we might be tempted to think that we are not enough. We have this scarcity mindset that might help us think, or that might make us think, that we will never be enough because we are not like them. But again, this is just not true. In Psalm 139, it says that each of us in this room were knit together in our mother's wombs, fearfully and wonderfully made. Each of us have a piece of the divine instilled in us that is unique from every other person in this room. So we all have unique gifts and talents and quirks and charms and personality traits 
that are only ours. When we try and change ourselves to fit society's expectation or our own imposed ideal, we do a disservice to the person God created us to be. I mean, think about it like this. Let's imagine there is an artist who has spent their lifetime working on a masterpiece. Maybe they have an art shop, so they're by themselves, secluded away from the public eye. And they have been working on this piece of art for years, until finally it's time for the grand reveal. All the friends and family gather, wondering what this piece of art is going to look like. And when the artist reveals this piece that they have poured over for years, for months, for weeks, not a person in the room would say, well, it's all right, but I wish it looked more like Van Gogh. Or, I see what you were doing, but it really should look more like a Georgia O'Keeffe piece. No, this would never happen. Because when we saw this masterpiece that the artist created, we would think, wow, there has never been a piece exactly like this, and there will never be another piece exactly like this because it is unique, it is personalized, and it is specific to that artist. And you, my friends, each one of you in this room are that masterpiece. Yes, you, all of you. You have been created, crafted, perfected by the God of the universe. So there is nothing you have to change about yourself to be better, to be more loved, to be more worthy, because Christ has come down for all of us. Your birth is defined not by what you've done or who you have been, but your birth is defined by the baby in the manger, by Christ who came down from heaven to make a way for us to experience hope, peace, joy, and love. Because of the birth of Christ, because he is the Messiah, the newborn King, Emmanuel, the Savior of the world, we can come to worship him just as we are. If you are someone who needs structure in your life, like I do, and you enjoy making New Year's resolutions, that is totally, totally fine. But amid your goal-casting, your future-looking, don't try to become someone else. Instead, try to become the best version of yourself that you can be, to highlight those parts of yourself that God created uniquely, and perfectly, take some time to reflect on how God has been guiding you, for epiphanies God has shown you in your own life, and to thank God for the gift of another year. And as you look forward to the coming months and consider what resolutions you might make, I want you to ask yourself these three questions. Who has God created me to be? What unique gifts have I been given? And how can I use who I am and what I have to bring homage to the newborn king? This year, let us resolve to believe that we are enough because Christ is enough. In the name of God, our creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Amen.